welcome in, and thanks for joining us once again on the Red Rock Sports Podcast. You can get us on Twitter at Red Rock Sports One. We are coming to you remotely today. We had a little bit of a uh, COVID uh, contamination within the Woos Media Studios. Scary so times. Scary we're times. Used to this, at this point, right? Everyone's used to this. Um, as I'm staring around the room, soaps. You're in a home office. I'm in a home office. This is half my day anymore. So we're coming at you from a Zoom call. I am Jared, of course. Connor, coming at you. Looks like from outer space. I have a nice, nice uh, backdrop, Connor. Yeah. I, I, like I got a nice outer space backdrop, yeah, because I'm out of this world. Oh, brutal. Sometimes your <laughs> brutal. mind is a little bit, I think. Uh, okay. And so right, tight, you look like you've had a long day. You got the glasses, man. You look I like know. Like- well, the nice thing about being at home is all my, my alcohol is upstairs, so I can just kind of come and go as I please based on Connor's takes. So I got that going for me. <laughs> I know. The wow. bosses over at Woo's Media are a little strict on that, right? They don't like us <laughs> slamming whiskey during the show. But uh, I'll tell you, I got plenty in this weekend. Uh, that was not exactly the goal, but... It's what ended up happening. It was a fun weekend, obviously coming off of Thanksgiving, had a few days off. How was your weekend, guys? Oh, wow. I just uh, ate way too much food, entirely too much food. I, I put myself in several food comas, so that's good. Uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was good, you know, spending time with the family. It's always always good. Got a little football on. I didn't play any this year. I'm getting a little too old for that, I feel like, these days. I, I, I play some Thanksgiving football these days, and I, like, don't get out of bed for a day afterwards. So Relatable. Yeah. yeah well, so, no, Nick good. and I, which, Connor, you got to join us at some point. Nick and I are trying to get our exercise in. We've been going out playing a little tennis. It's been nice yeah. enough, hitting it back and forth. We're awful. We're absolutely yeah, okay. awful, we but it's not fun. good. It, it takes a lot more than it looks like. So kudos to anyone out there that is actually good at tennis. No, no. When you play tennis, do you give it the, uh, uh, we're not even, it's we're natural. not, I'm not even good enough to be yelling like that yet. I'm certainly well on my way, but. Okay. Okay. Good. To, good. To, good to know. But Connor, I like you. I, I ate way too much food. Like I hit the point like Monday morning, like four in the morning, waking up and my son's just like, dude, enough. Like no, this is like five days in a row. Like you got to stop, you know? And so we do Thanksgiving day, you know, big Turkey, everything. Well then Friday went and did a time. That's a bad back-to-back combo, man. And it just, it takes a toll on you at this age, especially. Based off the episode last week, I made sure Connor to pour gravy over literally everything, everything <laughs> I could pour gravy on. I did. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Hey, you know, it's funny after we talked about last week's episode where I said mashed potatoes were the most overrated, it probably was the thing I ate the single most of too. So, <laughs> and I, I was just thinking to myself like, oh yeah, well, I guess, I guess that's why it's rated, but I, I still think they were really good mashed potatoes. And even then it's like, I still don't think I could just eat them without gravy, but you know, Hey, I digress. And you know, I had the opposite thing happen today where I had more leftovers to go for for lunch and i saw the master tales i'm like i can't no more i can't do it it's it's too much no more no <laughs> more mashed taters i will say i am getting completely fed up with the detroit lions playing on thanksgiving brutal brutal game that was horrible it's bad I, I the one thing i will say is i'm glad that one was the morning game where you kind of had everything going on and you know you're, you're getting you know lunch dinner whatever ready and people are showing up so you didn't miss as you know as much because it was a terrible game. It's killer. 
<laughs> killer. Cruel, cruel and unusual punishment, I think is the, the phrase. There was there was one good game though on Thanksgiving, right? The the Cowboys game. Did you guys get a chance to watch that one in Dover? It was all right. Detroit just or not Detroit. Uh, Dallas is just being Dallas, you know. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like they are uh, probably not for real this year, at least the way they're playing right now. Um, but before we get talking anything football related, I do want to uh, I want to kind of touch on the, the Denver Nuggets first. We will talk a little bit of of the Broncos. They didn't play on Thanksgiving. But uh, they did have a big win Sunday against the Chargers, put themselves actually in a good uh, position within the division and in the AFC. But first, like I said, I want to talk Nuggets a little bit. Last night, they got a chance to get their, uh, I guess, so-called revenge match against the Heat, right? You know, (laughs) all the drama with with Jokic and and Morris. uh, And they got the win. Uh, Jokic is back in the win. They win 120 to 111. And as promised, Connor, the Jokic brothers were in attendance, sitting behind the, the uh, Nuggets bench. Flexing the whole game. <laughs> and so, and uh, no, I was just going to say, did you see what uh, Udonis Haslam said about about the Jokic brothers? I, I didn't see uh, it, ba- but I did hear about it. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he basically just said, oh, what are you, do- what are you doing going to the game? Why, why are you going to the game? This is my city. You, you, you don't start nothing. There won't be nothing. Like, what, what, are you, what are you guys doing at this point going to the game? And, you know, what, what he clearly doesn't understand is they go to, like, virtually every game. Um, yeah. You know, so, so, I mean, it's not really anything new to them. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know what people were expecting. But, uh, clear, you know, clearly anybody that really watches sports would understand that there's a very little chance of something happening in the next regular season game between these two teams, you know, uh, how great would the ratings have been if this went (laughs) WWE style and they came off of the, you know, out of the stands onto the court and things just, I mean, then you're you're talking another malice of the palace. I mean, (laughs) uh, I don't know if that's so great for basketball, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. Nothing happened, obviously, except for the best player in the world came back and dominated the game. Uh, Jokic looked great. This team is so different when Nikola Jokic is in there. I mean, it is, I mean, it is just mind-boggling to me. But uh, he came in, did Jokic things. It was great. I think he had uh, like 15 rebounds, 24 points, 7 assists, something like that. So uh, and he was just controlling every facet of the game. Really good to have Nikola Jokic back. Yeah, it was really nice to see uh, them play well. I like the Aaron Gordon letting the hair fly. Uh, the entire starters were all positive in the plus minus, so it was, it was a really good game. And that, that yeah, it, was the first win in what? I think it was a six-game losing six streak. Six-game uh, skid. Was that all without Jokic? So that was no. like all the time he missed, basically? <laughs> no, well, no, it was uh, – so Jokic missed four games of those. Okay. Um, and there was actually two games with Jokic in it. Um, one where he got hurt against the 76ers. Uh, and then I think they might've lost to Dallas too, but yeah. So anyways, but those were at least remotely competitive games. And eh, I don't know about the 76ers, but clearly when Jokic was out of the lineup, th- this, you know, rotation looked just completely out of sorts on offense and on defense. I think that's something that we have been preaching on this show. And a lot of lo- local media has, has been preaching, right? We, we've been, uh, talking that Nikola Jokic is having a 
better defensive year than anybody is really understanding. Um, but you take him out, and our defense uh, looks really out of sorts. He really anchors that defense. He gets into passing lanes. He's really one of the only guys, along with Aaron Gordon, maybe a little Jeff Green, that can guard some of these really bigger guys, right? Um, and you, you, you really saw it in our defense. And the other place you really saw it was in the Nuggets rebounding. Uh, they got absolutely just demolished in the, in the rebounding game. So good to see him back. Uh, they look Hey man, you have the best player in the world on your team. Like I say, you're going to have a chance to win every single game. Uh, and they're, they're looking pretty good right right now. I, I would expect uh, they're 10 and 10 right now. I would expect in the next couple of weeks, you see the nuggets go back to around the fourth seed in the West. That would be my, my guess here. Do you think they're going to go on a little run here? I think so. Yeah, I think so. so. I want to ask the question, is that the best thing for the nuggets? And I, and I want to preface that with the, you know, bringing back the idea of, you know, where they are, the reality, I should say, of where they are at with injuries. Obviously, we, we've talked at length about Michael Porter Jr. and the situation he's in. He is, you know, there. he's now going down the road of surgery out indefinitely. Um, and out, now P.J. Dozier goes down with the torn ACL out for the season. Are you guys ready to get on board with the idea and commit to tanking absolutely not if, if you're asking me absolutely not you do not tank when you have the mvp when you have the best player in the world healthy playing basketball i don't think you tank i think that's a that's a slap in the face to the guy who got you here you know uh, and not only that i mean i guess th- there's kind of two questions here right should they oh you know would i be on board with it should they do it right and are they gonna do it the answer to both, in my opinion, are no. But the answer to that second one is absolutely freaking no. There's no way they are going to actually try and tank. Uh, Michael Malone is way too competitive. He is way too competitive. Jokic is way too competitive. Uh, this team has aspirations still. And, uh, you know, while maybe us sitting here, we can say, hey, maybe they're not winning a championship this year, right? Like maybe they should tank. That is absolutely not going to happen. And I really don't think you you should do it because I think – the Nuggets, even with this roster, without MPJ, without Murray for most of the season, uh, PJ Dozier is out. I still think you're looking at like a fourth seed for the for this Nuggets team. And if you're a top four or five team in the West, you're not going to tank. Nor should you. I, I think Nick Nick might have a difference of opinion. He's he's looking at me like he wants to say something, like he wants to slap me across the face. Just even no, I think that. I think tank is is maybe too strong of a word, but I think uh, I maybe I maybe realistic expectations need to be set. I think you're not going to let Jokic play or, or you're not going to let him tank the season. The team is solid. I think we can all agree that anything past the second round of, of the playoffs would probably be a, a crazy success, but this opens the door for bones Highland to play a lot. Uh, you may be seeing some more bull bull things like that. But I just, when, when you lose the, the caliber of players and, and still no Murray, it, it's, it's really, really hard to, to have realistic championship expectations. I think for me, the big question is how much wear do you want to put on Jokic's tires? Uh, last night he played 33, 32 minutes. I think that's about where he needs to play at. But in order for them uh, come playoffs, things like that, he's going to be playing forty or yeah, forty minutes a game, and it, it's just a big ask. See, I like the way you put it there, Nick. That it, it's not look, tank is 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 too short. I'm not saying go out and try to lose games, okay? But there is a strategy to approach a season like this. Right. You have 
several guys, you know, Michael Porter Jr. And, and Jamal Murray being the two that have a potential of coming back this season, don't. Shut them down. Don't even think about it. Maybe you bring in Jamal Murray a little bit at the tail end of the year if you're feeling 100% confident with him. But don't do anything to jeopardize the future that you are committing to over the next two to three years of this window that you have. You do anything where he re-injures that, boom, now you lose him again for next year and you're in a bad spot. The other one you mentioned, Nick, is, is, is Jokic. Give him the Joel Embiid treatment. Give this guy every 10th game off. Keep him on, you know, limit his minutes because you don't want to wear this guy down. It's a guy who's played a lot of basketball in the last two years. Give him a little bit of a rest. Go into next year fresh. How much do you really want to run the guy down, especially when this is kind of a lost season? So there's something to consider for sure. And, and, and also utilize an opportunity to get younger guys out there. Maybe it's a chance for Bull Bull to go get on the damn court. You mentioned Bones Highland, other guys. You know, uh, Will Barton wants to be a star. Let my man be a star. <laughs> yeah, I think I like your take there, Jared. But I think you you tend to uh, you you tend to have this viewpoint a lot, right? We were talking about it with Cortland Sutton, where when a player is injured and like you know we are not trying to go for a championship, like you don't ever want to see these players play in like preseason. You never want to see them play if they're if they're hurt at all because you're just like it's not worth it, right? I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's more or less what you think, generally speaking, right? With injured players, like not worth it, right? Not never uh, worth it. And so this is where I, I differ from you in this regard. I think so. I, I think the plan was never going to be to rush Jamal Murray back. I, I do not think Jamal was ever on a rush plan ever, right? And so in that respect, I think nothing changes here. And I think as soon as he is actually ready to come back, you put him back. And I hope it's this year because I tend to take a little bit of a different view than you on this. When a player is injured, I want to see them back in the game because that tells me that they're actually healed up, right? That tells me that, hey, they've gotten through this injury. They're able to move forward, right? I want to see Jamal Murray play this year because it tells us that he is back, right? If we go into next year not knowing about Jamal Murray, then there's all sorts of questions like, well, did he really not play because they were being cautious? Did he not play because, you know what I mean? So, I want him to play as soon as he's ready. Um, I, I get I get the notion of resting Jokic a little bit more, right? Um, I think Nick just said 32 minutes a game, right? As opposed to maybe 36, 37, 38, 40 minutes a game. You know, I, I, how much does that really help? I mean, is that really putting that much less of a burden on him more, going 32 I think more the idea of if, if he has any sort of tweak of an injury he should be saying out give him days you know back-to-backs maybe not always playing every back-to-back those sorts of things you know ways that especially for a big guy you can get him some extra rest throughout the course of the season uh, fair enough I, I think that's fair enough it's a good it's a good uh good take although good luck trying to get this man to buy into that yeah. <laughs> i mean uh nicola but, is not by all accounts the type of guy who at all wants to do anything like that. So, but just think about it. Okay. And I know I agree with you, Connor, they're never going to actually take, but I'll reference back to the warriors from 2019, 2020. Okay. Very similar situation. They have Clay Thompson go down with injury. They have Steph Curry go down with injury and that team. They, I mean, they had nothing. They, this is right after uh, Kevin Durant had left that team crumbled. They're actually the worst team in the NBA, but 
you get yourself in the in the lottery. And I'm not saying the Nuggets find themselves as the worst team in the NBA. But you find yourself somehow in that lottery, and crazier things have happened. I know there's different stipulations in your odds and things like that, but you end up with a top five, top ten pick that you can all of a sudden add to this roster next year. The only way that – I get it, but the only way that happens is if Nikola Jokic – literally does not play. And the only way he does not play is an injury. So nobody here in Nuggets Nation should be hoping for a lottery pick. He should not be hoping for a lottery pick. Best case scenario. Because in my mind, the worst case scenario for for the Nuggets is to go get into the playoffs as a 7 or an 8 seed and then get their doors blown off. And you don't have that chance at a higher draft pick, at more potential. Sure. Is it better for the team? Yes. You win games. That's what you want to do. Obviously. That's what they're going to do. But – I don't know. That call, call call me crazy, but I just think that there's something to it. And now you look at what that's done for the Warriors. Now they're back at the top when everyone's healthy. But oh, sorry, Nick, go ahead. Where I disagree with you a little bit, Connor, as you're saying, the Nuggets are four, four seed, three seed. We're talking about Golden State. If we recall, Steph Curry was struggling to get into the playoffs last year. Barely made it MVP caliber type season. So I think at best you're playing for a six to eight seed. Worst case, you're playing for a playoff seed. Is that what you want? I guess that's what they have to ask themselves. It, it, it's tough to ask Jokic to play 40, 45 minutes and make a four seed to bow out at second round at best. No, yeah, I, I don't think you ask Jokic to play 40 minutes. But but I think you keep him at his 36 minutes, you know, his 32 to 40 minute range, which is a high usage. Like, let's not get it twisted. Like, 32 minutes a game is still very high usage. That's not really resting him, right? Um I just think he's too good. You use the Golden State comparative or comparison right there. And the key difference, though, there is that Steph Curry, their MVP, their their guy was out, right? It would be completely different if Nikola Jokic was out. Then we would be talking about like that Golden State team, right? I mean, at that point, what's the point of winning games, right? I mean, yeah, I will get on great option, but, but with Nikola Jokic, you're just not – you're not going to be a lottery pick. I, even if every single other person got hurt other than Nikola Jokic and you were literally playing with G League, you are still not going to be a lottery pick if Nikola Jokic is playing. He's just too good. He's uh, The man is fourth right now in the NBA in points per game. Unreal. That is absolutely unreal right there. I- I don't know if the uh, recording picked it up, Connor, but I got nothing of the audio. We got, we got nothing. I might mean, want to take off the moon background. <laughs> so no. I'm going to assume you made a really, really good point. Uh, great, I, I was saying, great I was point, saying that, that was terrific. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you, thank you. So we should have no, just I'm saying, getting sold on it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you, well, you kind of did. No, so, so I'm saying that the man is just too good. You could literally have the entire team injured and play with G league players. And as long as you have Nikola Jokic, as long as you have Nikola Jokic, you're not going to be a lottery team. You're not going to be a lottery team. Okay. He's a man. I might be a little bit in la la land. I might've taken that a little too far, but, but just think about it is all I'm saying. And I do want to ask and I'll serious though. Uh, Okay. They're, they're obviously gonna continue to play Jokic. He's not, they're not just going to sit him down. You know, Murray, I, I, I take your point, Connor, on that. And I think there is a certain level of maybe regaining that mental confidence for him once he's physically ready. Getting a little bit of time out on the court this year might be good for him to go into next year with. Sure. But where do you land with Michael Porter Jr.? 
it seems kind of like it's pretty still up in the air what his timetable is in coming back unless you've heard something I haven't. I've just kind of heard indefinitely, which I don't know what that really means. In my mind, no chance he's playing again this season. What do you might be the, yeah. might be the might be the worst contract the Nuggets unfortunately ever signed. It's kind of immediate thoughts. Yeah. Trending Don't that go way. there yet, Nick. Don't go there I'm yet. There. I'm there. Hey. Planted. You know, it depends on he. If you ask his agent, uh, he just said that he thinks. Oh, great! He's ask, his, here. ask his agent. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I know, but so so it's actually you know indefinite is is what you know we're all hearing too. Uh, they've also said that the timeline will become more clear after the surgery is done. So it's kind of just a wait and see for a couple of weeks, see what the timeline is. I agree with you. We're probably not going to see him this year, and certainly if there's any risk at all, like if a dog, not a doctor. But if a doctor says there's some risk in, uh, involved with him coming back, then you don't do that. <laughs> Obviously, you don't do that this year, right? Um, but yeah, I, I said this last week. You're not winning a championship without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter. You know what I mean? You're not going to – Nikola Jokic is, is great, but he's not enough by one person himself to win you a championship, I don't think. I don't think. But, um, I mean, you know, the, the man is just too – too incredible. I was trying to, when I cut out here, I did make, I, I wanted to bring these stats here because this is pretty wild to me. It's not our stat of the week, but oh, it good. is wild. Stat. Oh, good. Uh, Nikola <laughs> Jokic is fourth in the NBA in points per game. He is second in rebounds per game. He is 15th in assists per game and he is eighth in field goal percentage. Those numbers are things you do not see since like Wilt Chamberlain in like with that year when he, led the league in assists, right? And granted, those were even better numbers. But th- this is the real deal, right? I refuse to believe that any NBA team with Nikola Jokic on it is a lottery team, no matter what. I mean, even if you sat him like half the games, he's still going to win enough to not be a lottery. I, I, I don't know. I, I digress. I'm off. As you see, uh, my background, I'm off on, on some planet over <laughs> here. Uh, Cue the conspiracy music. Is that, is that yeah. Earth we're looking at or... What are we looking know. at there, Connor? Looks like they're one of the Earth. Starlink satellites that's looking at Earth. I don't know. I will, ne- I will never give you my secrets. I hear your point, but I just not going to happen this year. I, I don't, I don't see it. And you know what? There's something to be said about the culture that you have created. Uh, you're Michael Malone. You know Tim Connolly. They have created a culture of winning here in Denver, and. I mean, is it really worth it to, to – I mean, you can't tank. You can't, I don't even know what we're talking about. We, all, all you're not tanking with Nikola Jokic on your Jokic team. Jokic has a hangnail, he should sit up. Correct. Yes. <laughs> okay, That's fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. That makes sense. <laughs> all right, guys, moving on to the Broncos this weekend. Uh, coming up with a big win. I think, uh, you know – go. We kind of were a little bit surprised by that. I thought Classic Denver. Sense, God. Dear Lord, they looked dominant. They looked like they could be the best team in the AFC West this weekend. Don't do that. Not right now. Don't do that. They'll Don't do that right now. Building up these false starts again. God, I know. And we're flexed into the Monday. Is it the Sunday night or the Monday night? I think it's Monday Sunday night. night game. It's a Sunday, Sunday night, night game. Which was funny because they did that actually before the game. And I'm like, really? You're flexing? When I say before the game, before the Chargers game, before the Broncos got that win, the game had already been flexed, the Chiefs, for the Sunday night game. And I'm thinking, Broncos? Why? Like, what? And then, boom, the they go get the win. <laughs> now it's for the division. Oh, God. It seems like NBC knows what they're doing, man. 
Yeah, you know, uh, I, I still claim it has nothing to do with the Broncos whatsoever. Even now, even now, after the Broncos won, they still like aren't even like, oh, yeah, that's nice. Like, it doesn't even matter to them, I don't think. Like, it's the Chiefs. Like, the Chiefs ha- are on a winning streak. They were a Super Bowl favorite. And, you know, you're trying to get more Patty Mahomes primetime, baby. You know what I mean? Oh, no, no, like one's, no one's turning. I'll, I'll put it this way. Nobody other than Broncos fans are flipping on their telly to go watch Teddy Two Gloves on Sunday night primetime. That's he not did look good. No, he did look good yesterday. That. He did look good. He or did. Sunday. Definitely a little bit better than uh, old Drew Locke, huh? Hey, Drew Locke had some amazing handoffs. What do we think about that, Connor? Yeah, yeah. His, his handoffs were really key in, in getting a touchdown drive uh, that he had. So, uh, you know. It's, but it's isn't good. it you know, just when you win- so telling of this staff and their confidence level in Drew Locke that, like, it doesn't matter if Teddy Two Gloves can barely walk. They're throwing the guy back out on the field. Yeah. Legitimately. <laughs> yeah, you know, you point back to the Cleveland game, man. Uh, if if they had any confidence whatsoever in Drew Locke, he's absolutely starting that Cleveland game. And I, I, that was right there. That's when you knew. That uh, that when he has Broncos country is watching on. That is when Broncos country knew that this coaching staff had zero faith in True Lock. Uh, second quarter, the second quarter, zero to change. Third and third and nine from the goal line. They run the rock. I think that says all it needs to about their trust in our boy Drew, dancing Drew, dancing Drew. No dancing. I haven't seen dancing once this year. It's more of like yeah, a mopey it's, Drew. It's mopey. Yeah. Drew. It's, now, now, another way you could look at that, Nick, you run it from third and nine. Maybe Pat Schumer in this offense stop. is having some confidence in the running game. They ran stop. it 33 times on Sunday. All That's right. How you get it done. When, when we get to the breakdown of the Chiefs game, I'll give you a stat of my own that uh, will back up your point there, Connor. Running the rock is the Ooh. key for the Broncos. And we're all being Captain Obvious here. All of Broncos country agrees that we're not running the ball enough. And I think, it, you know, ball control, the whole thing. You just got to be able to not put Teddy in a spot where he's got to make magic happen, and the Broncos look nice. You know the Broncos are one of the uh, leading teams in, in time of possession this year in the NFL. It doesn't actually surprise me because, you know, yeah. they they don't, I'm sure they have some big plays here and there, but a lot of their drives are kind of chipping away, chipping away, you know? So I, that doesn't totally surprise me. What do we think of uh, Bradley Chubb? I didn't notice he played. Yeah. I actually <laughs> didn't even realize until after the fact, so. He got in there a little bit. He was, uh, he had a couple pressures, and, the you know, wh- what I did notice with him was, you know, maybe maybe he didn't have quite the impact that most people are going to notice, but he absolutely was drawing double teams and chip coverages. It, he they were drawing in an extra tight end to chip him and stuff like that. So, um, you know, and, and then that just opens uh, opens up the game for other people. And and the Broncos' pass rush was good, was really good as a whole. So, a lot of times when you're looking at the impact of somebody that's a pass rusher, I like to look at what did the pass rush do as a whole, right? Um, and I felt like their presence was felt. Our front seven presence, uh, pressure on the quarterback was felt. And I think you could give a little bit of credit to that to Bradley Chubb returning, even if he didn't make the splashy sack or whatever, you know? Well, and our boy, Pastor Tan, with two picks and oh, one man. for a tutty. was awesome. Oh, and I don't think they've uh, ever tried to argue on the show. He's going to be a stud. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he is going to be a superstar in this league 
hopefully for many years to come. It doesn't matter, though. If Justin Fields turns out to be an above-average quarterback, it was the wrong pick. Yeah. Still the wrong pick. But I will say that comparing him versus, versus Micah Parsons, where a lot of people kind of wanted the Broncos to go, I think you, you know, you're talking – you know, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. I think both guys are going to be great players. I think you could have won either way. I think I think so too. Michael Parsons, though, man, he is looking like a freaking feast. Uh, he he is incredible, and uh, you know, but hey, Pastor Tan, credit to him, man. He he did have a hell of a game. Had uh, two interceptions, one touchdown. Um, really, just looked good the whole game. I mean, he was he was all over their receivers. They, so they switched him around too on a couple. There at this point in the season, like he he looks like he's owning out there. I mean, like he just he knows what's happening with that interception. I mean, he read it the whole way. He knew exactly what was happening before anyone else did. Well, and credit to Vic Fangio. The Chargers have the worst run D in the league, and finally seem to try and match up just the offensive game plan according to that. So it's nice to see. I mean, sometimes Fangio. Seems like he knows what he's doing, and then you know we'll see. We'll see Sunday. So, <laughs> yeah, well, that run game, that run game though, Javante Williams, man, this guy, this guy, he is something, is he not? He is. He is absolutely something, man. He is. It looks like the Broncos got a really good pick in Javante Williams. Yeah, when as soon as they figure out that he should be the the main guy, and I'm not saying Melvin Gordon shouldn't be getting his touches, but Javante Williams needs the ball more. Yeah, and uh, I think it's uh, we'll we'll go time for the, our, our stat of the week. Stat of the week. Stat of the week. Stat of the week. All right. So speaking of Javante Williams, he is breaking tackles at a historic rate. Okay. Through first 11 weeks, Javante Williams has the highest missed tackle rate than that any rookie running back has had since 2006. And that was Maurice Jones-Drew. So, I mean, he is doing things that, that are not seen very often in the NFL. And tell me, I mean, just, just with your eye test, right? You look, look at this guy. Every time he – I feel like every game, Jerry, and you said this last week, every game – this man does something that makes you just go, wow, wow, right? There, I mean, every every game, he's moving a pile, right? How many times have we seen Javante Williams take like three guys on and just lift them for five more yards, 10 more yards, you know? I, it's just, it's been something to watch. It's a, it's a good bright spot from, from a young Broncos team. Is this, is he going to be your new boo for stat of the week? I think we might have a new boo for Connor. <laughs> <laughs> no, Connor, you're a hundred percent right. And, and, and watching him, I actually love that. You, you obviously you compared him there to Maurice Jones drew as far as in his, uh, in, in the stat there. But I like that comparison for him. I think from the way he runs and the way he plays, that's actually a very good comparison. He's kind of a bowling ball, but he does also have some of that big play capability as well. Right, right. He's not – so far it seems anyways that he's not going to be the guy that busts the 90-yard touchdowns, right? But he absolutely has the gear to bust 40, 50-yard runs before he gets caught by some, you know, by a faster player across the field. He does have big play. I wouldn't say he's a home run hitter. You know what I mean? He's no, he's no Darren Sproles out there, right? He's much better than Darren Sproles, mind you, but he's not, he doesn't have that, right? He's not LaDainian Tomlinson kind of break breakthrough speed, get 90 yard touchdown, but 
he is impressive, man. And, and I, I do like that comparison. Maurice Jones-Drew, he's, he has a little Maurice Jones-Drew in him for sure. He's one of those guys that if it's fourth and one, fourth and two, for example, you're playing the Philadelphia Eagles, you need a first down. In a hypothetical situation. Yeah, in a situation that's never happened before. He's a guy that is guaranteed to fall forward and get you a first down in this crazy hypothetical scenario that did not happen and will never happen. (laughs) Yeah, well, Javante Williams did have a good game, but I got to confess myself a little bit disappointed that Teddy Two Gloves stole a rushing touchdown from my man. That was a nice run. Uh, you know, we had the uh, the weekly draft last week was going to be who would score the most points for the Broncos. And when Teddy Bridgewater ran that first one in, I knew it was over. I knew it was over. I had no chance at that point. So, uh, Connor, you, you take it down. Teddy Bridgewater had two touchdowns, one rushing, one passing, giving him 12 points. Javante Williams did get one touchdown, giving him six points. And Soaps, no field goals. No it's okay. field goals. It's okay. Brandon McManus, only the four extra points. I it's guess fine. it's a good thing for the Broncos are scoring touchdowns and not field goals, right? It's fine. So, Connor does take down the win this week. That gives him the lead. He's up four to three to three. Soaps and I, we each have three on the year. So, slight edge for you, Connor. And uh, I got a... I got something I think we'll uh, we'll take you down with this week because I think you're gonna uh, you know we're we're gonna have some thought going to this one. Okay, I didn't drop this one on you guys at all before with the outline. I actually completely forgot to put it in it, but that's okay. You guys are gonna roll with it this week. What we're gonna do is uh, it's kind of almost like a multiple choice because there's only four options. Okay, how will the Broncos score their first points of the game? Okay, so it could either be a rushing touchdown a passing touchdown, a field goal, or you do have that fourth option, not applicable, another <laughs> get completely shut out and don't score in the game. So, Soaps, you were in last place last week. So, your pick first, what are you taking? How are the Broncos going to score their first points against the Chiefs this week? In honor of my man, just like last week, Brandon McManus, field goal to start. Love it. It's my guy. Okay. Okay, that was my number one no, slot as well. So, so you took the one I was hoping you would leave for me. So I'm thinking if they do score a touchdown on their opening drive, I'm thinking Teddy Bridgewater gets a little bit of something under a ball and it's a, a outside of the red zone, maybe a long touchdown. I'm going to go with a passing touchdown. Wow. For the first wow. Ooh, good. Well, thank you guys, because you have left me my number one pick in this draft. Uh, which was a rushing touchdown. If you took rushing touchdown right there, Jared, I was prepared to go curveball and go defensive touchdown. You didn't even mention well, a I defensive didn't even touchdown. Think about that. Wow. <laughs> but but I'm gonna go rushing touchdown. I'm gonna go rushing touchdown. We're gonna give it to you know either my boy Javante or you know possibly Melvin, one of one of the two. Or hey, maybe Teddy Bridgewater will run it in. You know, one or the other, but it's going to be a rushing touchdown. You, you okay, see. I think, feel like we have to do something crazy if their first points are scored on a safe. Huh. <laughs> we could do. We could do who scores it. Who scores the touchdown? All right, I'll go. I'll take Patrick. Yeah, yeah so. No, 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 no. We. We, I, I think we're good with these. We've covered pretty much all the options. Honestly, if something crazy happens, then we just don't win. None of us wins, and I'll stay in first. Very very casino-like. I like it. Yes. Okay. Uh We'll make note of these, and we will follow back on that one next week. And moving on to that game, Broncos going up against the Chiefs. 
Uh, again, we mentioned it. Flex to the Sunday night game. So all of America will get to see what happens. What do the Broncos need to do to win this game? Ten point, 10 point spread. Ten point spread. Ten point spread. I think Kansas City. I don't think they necessarily do. I think they'll cover. Uh, I think the game might be a little bit closer, but I could see the Broncos losing by about six points. Uh, I think the game will be fairly. I don't know. I think Vic's going to come out play it pretty well. I think the key with that everyone you know obviously knows at this point is you just don't pressure Pat Mahomes, make him throw the underneath routes, and I, I think that ends up you know I think the under over under is forty seven. So I think the game's probably twenty twenty three seventeen twenty three something like that. So. Mm, yeah, I, uh, I'm not feeling good about this game, boys, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, we'll see. There have been three quarterbacks, three Broncos quarterbacks have won a football game in Arrowhead in December. Care to guess which three of those are? I, I might have told you, Nick. Did I tell you this already? No, you did not. No. All so right. So Elway. Elway is one. Correct. Bummer. Good guess, but no. Wow. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning and uh, Timothy Richard. Give me Timothy Richard. Oh, that's a good, uh, nice poll right there. But no, not. The other one I'm going to say is Greasy. That's a good guess too. Bubba no. Brister. We're, we're going older. We're going older. I would argue that this is the goat of beards that have ever been on a Broncos quarterback, maybe other than Plummer. Okay. I was going to say uh, old school Jake Plummer. Um, had the best beard, the longest sleeves. He didn't care about literally anything. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it was I amazing. Love Jake the Snake. Nope. It is uh, Kyle, Kyle Orton. Kyle oh, Orton. Oh. I don't even, that's an insult to all men with beards, man. Yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the beard man, man doesn't want it. But no, so, so there have been three Broncos quarterbacks in you know, history that have won in Arrowhead in December. Can, so can we this put is a disclaimer not, out on that. I'm pretty sure the chiefs were really, really bad at that point in time when Kyle Orton won that game. I, I'm pretty sure. That's possible, but they were also really, really bad when Cutler goes in and loses and the Broncos were expected to win. I mean, it, it is a hard place to play. It, it's a tough, tough building, tough atmosphere. You get in December, it's freaking freezing down there right um yeah it's, it's just it's a tough place to play man i and if teddy bridgewater ends up making himself the fourth quarterback on that list then i guess i will eat crow but i do not see that happening um i think if the broncos going back to your question jared if they're gonna win they're going to need to win the turnover battle they're gonna need to do that and patrick mahomes has shown that he's throwing some interceptions this year right so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to find a way to to get a couple interceptions or a couple fumbles, right? Um, and then I think you'll just – you need to run the ball. I mean, you've run the ball just, well, just like you I said, just like we've been saying all year. Because that is so true. And I talked – I mentioned this earlier that you look at their – in their six wins this year for the Broncos, they're averaging 32 carries and 133 yards per game. They have – not had fewer than 21 carries in any game that they won this year. So in all their wins, they're, they're running the ball 20 times or more. That, 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 that's huge. And they've gone over 100 yards in four out of the six wins. In their losses, they're averaging 18 carries and 87 yards a game. And they've gone for under 100 yards in 
half of those games. They they actually did go 106 yards in two of those games, but basically at or under 100 yards huh. in all of those games. When they run the ball effectively, this offense can be productive. And I think then you play complementary football with your defense. Yes. And to me, more important than anything in this game is scheming against Patrick Mahomes. Teams have shown this year there is a bit of a uh, approach to limit. I'm not saying you shut down this Kansas City offense, but to keep them in check a little bit, keep things in front of you, you drop your safeties deep, you don't blitz like you guys mentioned, you make him beat you with the underneath stuff, make him chip away at it, and then you you know, hopefully can get an opportunity for a mistake or two along the way, get a stop. Your offense has to come through, though. You can't – you're not going to win – uh, a low-scoring game, I don't think. I, you don't obviously want it to become a shootout. You're not winning that either, but I don't think you're going to keep this Chiefs offense under 21 points. So you have to put up points for the Broncos. I mean, the Chiefs, in the sense of defense and liability, they're one of the worst defenses in the league. They are a team that you can run the ball on, possess the ball, tote the rock, all that stuff. So it's just going to be it's super important to just maintain possession of the ball and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. It's pretty simple. I actually have some optimism in this game. I'm not going to go as far as to say I think they're going to win, but I think this game is close all the way to the end, and I think the Broncos will be in a position to have a chance to win this game. I think in the fourth quarter they will be in a position if they can make the make plays to win this game. Chance to go number one, chance to take themselves to the top of the division. Big win, wild stuff. It would be a wild Tuesday pod for sure. And it's funny kind of referring back to what I was talking about with tanking for you know the Nuggets. I mean – I don't think any of us have any hope or expectation for these Broncos to go on a playoff run, but they're, you know, it's a certain weird sense of like, I actually want to see them competitive again. And I'm ready to be heard again. That's the difference is there. We're what, six years in to this depressing state. Whereas I'm trying to bank on the nuggets, getting a a quick score to, to add a lottery player on a good team. I just want to see the Broncos be good again, man. Well, and, and let me just say this, all right, uh, to give credit to George Payton here, it, exactly what George Payton said when, on his, his incoming press conference to the Broncos, they asked him, what is your expectations this year? What, what's your goal, right? What's your goal for this year? And I think he gave a pretty honest answer and said, you know, the goal is to be playing meaningful football in December. That, I mean, that's it. He said, we want to be competitive. And we want to play meaningful football again in December. Well, guess what? He's got them that far. They are playing meaningful football in December. They are playing for the division right now in December, right? Uh, so, you know, kudos to George Payton. That's uh, it's what you like to see out of him. It, it, there is part of me, of course, that from a, from a fan's perspective, looking onward, it's okay. Obviously, it'd be great to get a better draft pick, right? But at some point, man, the losing just sucks. It just sucks, doesn't it? I mean, again, um, credit to George Payton and what he's done throughout this season and some of the trades that he's made and and in the offseason as well. They've stacked up quite a few picks. I think they have the ability to move around within the draft as they feel they need to if that's a direction they want to go. They may, you know, who knows? We don't know what George Payton's approach really to drafting is. I mean, we saw it a bit last year, but. Now that he's kind of built a draft and picks and everything through this team, we'll we'll learn a lot if he's a guy that's going to be aggressive and try to move up or if he's going to try to maximize the number of, number of players he can get. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, and, uh, you know, you mentioned Vic Fangio earlier. I just wanted to touch on it too. Uh, this man is 
clinging to his job. <laughs> I mean, he is, he, he is plowing through and uh, still holding on to his job. Uh, is this something if, if the Broncos can beat the chiefs, right. And that 11 game losing streak, uh, you're, you're vying for first place. I mean, do you see Vic Fangio keeping his job? If they beat the Chiefs, I, I absolutely think so. And and I, obviously, whatever happens at the, the end of the season here, but, I mean, if the Broncos are, I mean, I don't know. I still think they probably have to make the playoffs or be really in contention for it at least. Because if they, if they win that game and then still end up 8-9 and not really in the playoff hunt, well – by the end of the season, that 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 luster may be gone. Well, but the trade. They, out, go ahead, sorry, Jared. If they if they win that game and then go, you know, you got at, you know you got the Lions at home, winnable game. You got you know the Bengals at home. I'm not saying that's a winnable game necessarily. I mean, it is if you're going to be a first place competitive team. You still got Raiders, Chargers, Chiefs again. I mean, a lot can happen. This team could go win ten games, be in the playoff hunt if they beat the Chiefs. Well, on the flip side, this is the danger zone of exactly what we were talking about at the beginning of the season. If we manage to beat the Chiefs, somehow lose to the Lions and blow a game with the Chiefs at home and, and the Broncos end up nine and nine, but or excuse me, eight and se- uh, eight and nine, um, then then what? You know, because now Fangio's got a couple statement wins, got a little bit of where he played good. Now you're almost with the exception of Drew Locke, you're kind of looking at the same situation you were looking at last year, letting it ride one more year. Yep. This this is the trade off of, of this. So Although, although, you know what, there's, there's one thing that I, I'm not sure if I mentioned that is actually a, if you're making a pros and cons list, I guess, a pro to winning eight, nine games, if you will. I know we said we don't want to win eight, nine games, but if you win eight, nine games, one of the silver linings is that maybe Denver is a more attractive option for some of these free agent quarterbacks that might, or, or a trade quarterback that we might be able to get a veteran quarterback. Maybe Russell Wilson kind of wants to come to Denver if, Hey, they got nine wins and uh, you know, what could they do if I was their quarterback? Right. Um, so I don't know. There's something to be said about that too. Right. If you, if you're looking good, you're looking like you're kind of on the cusp of competing. You might actually have a chance to get one of these good quarterbacks and then, Hey, anything can happen once that happens, you know? And, and, and honestly, Connor, I, I absolutely think that's a huge thing. The Broncos should be factoring in right now. I mean, obviously again, like we talked about the Nugs, everyone's going out there trying to win, but when you're looking from George Payton's point of view, I mean that's that's what he's he's banking on is is the ability to recruit a quarterback here next year. And I mean, again, maybe it maybe it happens in the draft, but I think a better option would be an immediate option to bring into this team. I think you could go for it. You know, absolutely. That's the, the that's the the approach the Broncos need to have is go win games out here. And be competitive, especially if the defense can look good, especially if that receiving core looks good. No doubt. No doubt. And it'll be exciting to see. Uh, you know, you can argue you want him to win, you want him to lose, whatever you want, want of this game. It would be pretty freaking cool to watch them beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead in December and be in first place in the AFC West in December. So let's go, baby. I'm I'm all for it. I'm here. I'm ready to be hurt again. I took 12 weeks. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready. I think I'm going to go put a bat on the Broncos just so we can like sting twice if they lose. You know? Yeah, exactly. I'm just a glutton for that pain, man. Pull it it out of your credit card too. You sadist, you. (laughs) Is that that, did I use that word right? 
Yeah, yeah. probably not. But I'm not into it or anything. I don't know what you're talking about actually at all. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. A couple more sports related topics we want to hit before we get out of here. A couple of things in the news regarding uh, Avalanche and actually the Rockies getting in the news as well. Uh, But but, you know, first Avalanche coach Jared Bednar passes Bob Hartley for the most all time as an Avalanche head coach. Love that. First and foremost, that shocked me. And I'm like, man, he hasn't really been there that long. But that's kind of the avalanche MO over the years. Coaches aren't there for very long. It's typically some sort of window, four years, five years, six years. And for one reason or the other, they're out the door. And I think it's because the avalanche have been a bit of a roller coaster with their success. Uh, but big thing for Jared Bednar, winning his coach all time in Avs history. So congrats to Jared Bednar on that. 195 wins, 155 losses, solid coach, solid team. Let's just hope they can stay healthy for the playoffs. Yeah, especially given the situation he walked into, whatever it is, when he came in after Wa left. And that was a, a bad scenario, and he turned it around quickly. And I really hope he makes a run this year, uh, you know, because you, you hear winning his coach. And so does that mean he's the, the best coach all time? And I don't know about oh. your guys' opinion on this. Frankly, I don't even think he's top two. I think there are two guys with Stanley Cup rings that have something to say about what it means to win in the playoffs. And while Jared Bednar has been a very winning coach, he has had no success in the playoffs. He's never made it past the second round. That has to change for him this year if he wants to be taken seriously as an all-time great coach. Fair, but they are, think, five and, they are five and one in their last couple of games. It seems like they're certainly playing better. And so it's just one of those things you got to get hot at the right time. You got to get McKinnon hot. You got to get him healthy for the playoffs. So it's a lot of it comes down to health like any other sport. Yeah. I think when you're, when you're looking at abs coaches, I think you, you absolutely cannot put Jerry Bednar number one until he wins a ring. I mean, until he, until he gets a cup, then he's not number one. He, just like you said, you know, I mean, Mark Crawford, I think, is probably the bonafide number one. I honestly think him Bednar, meaning being the winningest coach, has now jumped him over Wah officially as as, co- it, right? as far as coaches <laughs> go. And that's about it. Yeah, exactly. Because he's still got to win it. He's still got to win a cup. And you know, I mean, we've talked about the high expectations on this team. And when you have that level of expectation, you got to go out and do it. You can. I mean, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, but they're looking pretty good like, to Nick's point. I think the Avs have won seven of their last eight, I believe. Um, and so uh, they're looking really good. And, th- and this is without Nathan McKinnon uh, and another couple injuries as well. I mean, they, they're looking good right now. They're looking as advertised. I uh, got to get healthy for the playoffs and um, you know, Hey, I'm willing to give Jared Bednar that chance. I know we were a little critical on him uh, after the exit from last year's playoffs, uh, you know, starting to be a trend early exits from playoffs, so it's time, Mr. Jared Bednar, and uh, ho- hopefully he can bring those, those uh, you know, they can all bring the Avs fans out there, what they've been looking for since, you know, last 20 years. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. I don't think it's far-fetched to say that in the same season that Jared Bednar became the winningest coach for Colorado Avalanche, that he could be on the hot seat if they have an early exit in the playoffs. That There could be some serious discussion on whether he is coaching his team moving forward. With all the talent they have, with all the moves that Joe Sackick and company have made to try to bolster this roster, man, it's all there. And again, it, injuries aside, we, we obviously see that. You know, we saw that with the Avalanche and Nuggets both last year. 
hindering their abilities to go win a championship. I think we've already kind of chalked up this nugget season to a lost season because of these injuries. If the Avs can stay healthy, man, Jared Bednar, you got to make it happen. You got to go win yourself a cup. And then we can talk about you being the best coach. If not now, when, if not now, when exactly, exactly. If not us, then who <laughs> last thing before we get out of here, something we've talked about a bit in the past as the Rocky season oh. kind of wound up the free agents. There's quite a few big free agents, obviously uh, 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 Trevor story being one of them. Uh, John gray was, is, is another big free agent that has signed quickly. I don't, I have to be honest with you. I have no idea when the NLB free agent PC period signed. All I know is this is one of the first things I heard locally about what's going on, you know, in, in the free agency. John Gray signs with uh, the Texas Rangers four years, fifty six million dollars. Uh, rumored that the Rockies had offered somewhere in the range of four year forty four million, and uh, John Gray kind of sought elsewhere and ended up getting some more money. Yeah. Yes, it is uh, the Rockies being Rockies, my friend. They, uh, I, I don't understand. I do not understand the logic behind not giving John Gray a qualifying offer. It's just because sad, isn't it? What that means just is that it is. It is. It's. It's. Um. What that means is that if we would have given him a qualifying offer, then we would have gotten draft pick compensation if he signed elsewhere. Right. And if, and if he didn't, which he probably wouldn't have, because it would have been pretty good money for one year, I think it would have been like 18 million for a year. Uh, would have been pretty good money for a kind of a prove it year type thing for him. Right. Um, you know, it's just, I, I don't understand. I do not get the logic of not giving him a qualifying offer, man. I, it, it makes no sense to me. And then again, it makes perfect sense because this is the Rockies we're talking about and they do Rockies type things. So, uh, and, and you mentioned Jerry, there's a, a flurry of there's actually a huge flurry of, of free agency uh, signings around the league because there is an anticipated lockout here in a couple of days, starting December 1st. And so not knowing how long that lockout is going to last uh, with the you know, player association, the owners, the, you're seeing a lot of players want to get locked down in their contracts now. And so that's why you're seeing all these moves right now. Yeah. You're seeing all these moves and um, you know, it's a bummer, man. Yeah. I've, I've given my, opinion about John Gray. I, I know that our uh, another one of our uh, hosts that come on here every once in a while, Tyler, Tyler Walgy is a big John Gray hater. And, you know, I've said, listen, he's not the ace that we were sold, right? We, we were sold a bill of goods that he is an ace, a bonafide ace of a rotation. He is not that, but he is a very good middle of the rotation piece for any team. And I think you saw that in the open market with, with what he got paid. He's, he is a solid mid rotation piece and you know, it's a bummer to see him go. It's, it was the strength of this Rockies team last year. If you, if you want to go, it, it was a strength. The, the Rockies had a good starting rotation and now uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Uh, I actually think, Jared, you might see another couple signings from the Rockies here uh, in the next day or two. And one of those uh, that's pretty exciting, you know, one, one of the big names that have been linked with the Rockies um, will have been, there's two of them, uh, Kyle Schwarber and nice. then Chris Bryant. Um, they're uh, reportedly interest, uh, interested in bringing in Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber. Uh, you know, the Rockies outfield last year was near the bottom of the league in home runs. And considering where they play at Coors Field, that's 
it's really not acceptable. <laughs> so I think you'll see the Rockies try go out and get a, a power outfield bat. Uh, and that's exactly what Kyle Schwar- Schwarber would be. You could bring Chris Bryant in to play third base um, or he could play outfield as well. I think they'd probably have him. If they get someone like a Kyle Schwarber, they would get someone like a Chris Bryant to play third, uh, move over Mac to second, and then they'd have Rogers at short. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, we'll, we'll see, man. It's it's going to be an exciting couple man, days before this, this lockout. No, no, I have been told that the not only are they not expected to sign Trevor Story, I have been told that they have not made any contact whatsoever with Trevor Story's agent. There have been no con. I mean, it is not even there. So, that's no, that's not going to happen. For once. <laughs> yikes. Uh, I also yeah, and you know what, Desmond Trevor Story still I'm out sorry. on the open market. No one's no one's biting on Ian Desmond, huh? Guy's only been out no, of uh, baseball yeah. for the last few years. Played like 25 someone's games tr- in the three seasons prior. <laughs> yeah, someone's going to try and talk him out of his early retirement, you know? Uh, right. No, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a bummer though, man. It's a bummer to see John Gray go. I was a big John Gray fan. I, you know, wish him the best. Hopefully he has a good season. And man, well, here we are back at square one. I mean, you see all these players leave and do, I mean, look what Nolan Arenado did, by the way. I know we stopped our Nolan Arenado money tracker, but Nolan Arenado won his uh, ninth, I believe it's ninth, might be eighth consecutive gold glove award. And he is one, he got a platinum glove, which for his fifth time in his career means he was the best defender out of any position in the National League. Fifth time, it happened this year. So, uh, hey, here's here's to... uh, Watching John Gray maybe go go uh, play some meaningful playoff games with someone while we're just sitting at home watching. Right? For, those, for those that don't know, Connor is the biggest John Gray apologist, much like he is a big Drew Locke apologist. He wants that guy to be good so bad <laughs> it would it would make him so happy. See, I'm actually rooting for John Gray to become a closer because I don't know some about those flowing red locks <laughs> on the mound as a closer. Gross. I think he's got that intimidation look, man. Yeah, he's a, he's got that nice mohawk going, right? Is that what That's the cool thing about baseball? They can they can wear whatever kind of hairstyle they want. It's cool. Yeah, that is it is an interesting thing about baseball. You're right on that. Um, you know, you speak of Trevor Story. Just something interesting about Trevor Story. So he was many people were expecting him to go to the Texas Rangers, who are spending big money bringing in free agents right now. And, you know, he's from Arlington, Texas, so it's right where he wants to play. There was a natural fit there. They were looking to bring in middle infield help. Um, But then they went and signed Corey Seager to a 10-year, I think it's $330 million contract uh, from the Dodgers. And so that's off the the table for story. That's another story, so to speak. See what I did there? No? Okay. We'll see where he goes, man, but it's... (laughs) <laughs> it's not going to be the Rockies. So we'll see, man. We'll, we'll see what the Rockies do. Uh, get back. Maybe, maybe we'll have something to actually talk about again next week, depending on if the Rockies actually make some moves before this December 1st deadline, where there's an expected lockout to occur. And again, guys, it is uh, Tuesday, November 30th. We're recording right now. So that, that would be tomorrow. So we'll see. Uh, do you know a time of day? Is that one of those like midday things, Connor, where like all of a sudden? No, I don't know. I actually, I, I actually do not know off the top of my head. So we'll see. Yeah. You know what we love? Like one of the things that the show is best at is we always record our show 
And then as we're like driving out of the studio, some big news drops. And so I know. Now everyone's I know. already heard it and we didn't get a chance to talk about it. So I'm sure at some point after we're done recording this show, it's 545 on Tuesday the 30th. Something's going to happen tonight. I'm sure. Yes. yes, correct. All right, guys. Should we get out of here on that note? Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, I mean, I, I've spent in. enough time looking into your living room. I think (laughs) next time, next time, be next time. Just be courteous. Like the rest of us, normal people that have like a outer space background, you know, (laughs) you can get some nice mountains. How to even do that, Connor. Like I'm so for a zoom, for a zoom show. I must say, I rate this like an eight out of 10 would not recommend doing it all the time, but certainly not bad. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it works. Especially since none of us have a great drive to the studio, you know, that's true. That's true. If the you know producers at Lewis Media would like to invest in some equipment for us to all just do it straight up out of the house, no one's going to complain. Yeah, no. <laughs> all right, guys. All. That, that's it for us today. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. And again, hopefully this quality comes in good for you guys. We're doing this through Zoom. So hopefully if the quality sucks, at least the content was good. Absolutely. For Connor and Nick, I'm Jared, and this is the Red Rock Sports Podcast.